the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email. Chad at ChadBurton.com. ChadBurton.com is where you can find me. So big story of the day, August 4th, ADP just came out with a pretty awful jobs report. The jobs report was well short of expectations. Um, Kind of waiting for the ISM survey to come out to kind of clarify some of it. Um, Just in case, you know, maybe they counted wrong, right? But noting that the 10-year treasury fell again today. We talked about this on yesterday's show, but for a bit, it was at 1.17%. Still looks like it's going to open you know, right around there, 1.19 or so. But is that the all-time low? No, we had an all-time low back in, I believe, in the just after the COVID shutdown started and that big correction um, and things turned around and upticked. It's been a wild, wild ride in the bond market this year. If you look at the Barclays Aggregate Index, it was down nearly a little over 4% or so, I believe, back in March of this year, and then rallied back up to now slightly positive if you include interest payments on it. And so now we're at stocks at, at highs and bonds at lows in terms of rates, but bonds at high in terms of prices. It's kind of an inverse relationship. So, you know, any kind of a change of direction on the Fed in terms of $80 billion worth of treasuries, and I think it was like 40 of mortgage-backed securities that we talked about yesterday, any change in direction with that that people thought was going to come sooner or later, this job could, jobs report could kind of push that off even farther. So, you know, this this is good for cheap money. I mean, money is super cheap. That's why real estate prices are so high. People are, that, that have the cash are able to go buy a rental property, all cash, win that bidding war, turn around within 90 days, you can refinance, pull some cash out, get the same rate as if you were to have done it as a purchase, and go on to the next deal. And so money is really, really cheap, but it really makes retirement planning difficult because... In 28 years ago, when I got into the business, you could earn three or four percent on your money markets, five to six on just fixed five-year annuities. Um, you could do 
you know, bond port laddered bond portfolios somewhere between four to seven percent in many cases. And it made that balanced side of the portfolio, the the safer side, the more dependable income side, a lot easier to deal with. And now, man, most you can earn on your cash. And, and these rates are likely going to be going down as banks like Ally, ALY, Capital One 360, Marcus, places like that that give you about a half a percent on your cash. And it's not much more to go out one to three, four, five years on a CD. So what's the point of that? You might as well stay liquid in case there's a decent correction that you can buy some more stocks with, right? But it's definitely made that side difficult. And that's why when you do your retirement planning, your detailed cash flow analysis, which includes all your expenses, including healthcare costs, taxes, all of the expenses that are going to make your retirement what you want it to be, that your linear cash flow test shouldn't use more than a, say, a 5.5% rate of return. Because bonds are so low. Now, that's will portfolios do more? Yeah, portfolios have done more over time. In fact, if you look at a globally diversified balanced portfolio from 2007, which was the peak of that bull market before the 0809 crash, it still averaged 5.5% for that 10-year period. And that was one of the worst decades we've had. So that's a good number to use to make sure you can still retire in case we have mediocre returns for the first decade or two. Um, you know, I still fully believe over 15, 20 year period, stocks are in 10, 11%. But a lot of people can't handle that much volatility when they go into retirement with all of their assets. So they have bonds and cash. If you're super, super wealthy and you can afford to live off of 2% of your portfolio, you could go all stocks and, and just live off the dividends. And who cares about the volatility? But most people in America aren't even anywhere near that wealthy. So it's it, it, it's interesting because it's like if you have assets, money's cheap, you can continue to grow them, you can buy, you, you can invest in your business, you can expand, you can buy capital. So it's good for the overall economy, but it's tough on a balanced portfolio. And it, it requires more active management, believe it or not, in retirement. When you're building wealth, 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, just buy stocks and who cares what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, even a year-to-year -year basis. If the market drops and you get one of those 20% corrections that happen every five to seven years, that's your buying opportunity for the next five to seven years. So buy even more. Invest, invest, invest. Index funds for your first half a million. I don't care. Just keep investing. But when you go into retirement, it's not like you have to do active trading and go all in, all out and those types of things, but you have to manage your cash and your cash flow. I was recently asked by a listener, how does bucketing work versus your withdrawal strategy? How does bucketing work versus your withdrawal strategy? So that term bucketing your retirement, number one, was pretty much invented by people that sold private REITs that were awful, you know, private, privately traded REITs and annuities that were awful, and then, a, and then some of your money in the stock market. And it was kind of a set it or forget it plan so they really could find the next you to go sell stuff to. Bucketing, blind bucketing, where you're like, okay, I'm going to put the money that I need for the first five years in this bucket, and then I'm going to put the money I need after, the, you know, for the next 10 years in that bucket, and then my long-term bucket's out there, and that's all stocks. It, it, it doesn't work. That does not work. First of all, 
if you have the bucket that you need all this money in for the first, say, five years or so, I mean, it's it's earning almost nothing right now. That's that's cash. That's safe money. And then if you're going short term bonds, that's one point two to one point four percent. So that's just not going to get you anywhere. And how much cash you need on hand when you look at your overall portfolio plan is is at least three years worth of portfolio draws and cash to get through difficult markets. And that need changes based on several different things. The amount of cash that you need going into retirement will be one amount for your for your first few years of retirement, especially if you're retiring early before age 65 or, or even before age 67 to 70, because that's when most people are going to take Social Security, between 67 and 70, full retirement age and age 70, which is when it makes sense for most people to put it off if they're going to live beyond mid-80s because it's a huge increase in your money. It's like an 8% rate of return from full retirement age to age 80, or I mean to age 70. So the amount of cash that you need from the date of retirement, let's say you're going to retire at 65, but not take social security till age 70, that's one amount. And then your amount of cash you have on hand will be reduced once you start receiving that social security. And then where you have your cash and where you take your withdrawals changes again at age 72 when you're forced to take required minimum distributions out of your IRA accounts. That's what you have to do. You have to start taking money out of your retirement accounts, 401ks, 403bs, 4227 at age 72. So that's a different, another cash flow scenario that you have to deal with. And then there's a couple other things that affect how much cash you have on hand and, and where your money's coming from. It's, it, it ebb and flows. It, 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 you have to look at a very detailed cash flow model to see this in retirement before you retire. Talking about this question I received, how does bucketing work versus your withdrawal strategy? And it's all about retirement income planning. And when you do a, a full retirement plan, you get really deep into the weeds in terms of expenses. And that means you need to know what your retirement's going to be like. And we'll talk about that next segment, actually. And you've got a very careful tax plan. You have to know what you're going to pay for Medicare Part B because there's a thing called IRMA for those that make a lot of money um, that makes your premiums more expensive in retirement for Medicare Part B. Um, and then people have different sources of income. There's real estate income, which, you know, that's taxed one way because of depreciation, depreciation can end, it can increase taxes later on. You, you got to look at the tax return and look at the yield of different investments and dividends on stocks and come on bonds and really program everything in. So at a conservative rate of return of five and a half percent or so, you know that your money will last till age hundred. And then you can run Monte Carlo simulations based on your asset allocation and see what your success rate is on thousands of different market scenarios. It's all possible. You just got to get it done. And you want to do it well before retirement. And so the bucketing strategy, there's a lot of bucketing strategists out there that used it as a way to sell non-traded REITs, which are very illiquid, but it looked like it had such a great income, annuities, and then some money in the stock market. And it was kind of a, a really set it and forget it on to the next person to make a commission type of way to go. Now, there's a better bucketing article that you can find 
on uh, Morningstar.com by Christine Benz, who is one of the best financial writers out there, in my opinion. In fact, she updated this uh, January 25th, 21. So it's it's a, a basic outline of a bucket strategy. Um, the thing is, is that it ebbs and flows. So the proper way to do it, in my opinion, is to have your... I look at it in terms of how do you get through stock market corrections? Because the stock market takes such good care of us over time. Over 15, 20-year period, you're going to see typically 10, 11% rates return, especially if you look well beyond 20 years. But the market ebbs and flows. It's 70% of the time it's positive, 30% of the time it's negative. When the stock market is negative, it's usually an average decline of 13% or so. Last time I added up all the negative years and divided by the number of negative years. So very rarely does the market actually give you a 10 or 11% return. It's usually much higher, flat, or lower. Very few years has the market actually hit you right with a 10%, 11% rate of return. And so as long as you're able to leave your stocks invested and you still concentrate on good companies and rebalancing your portfolio, mm-hmm. as long as you don't sell in a down market because you're forced to, to pay expenses or you panic, you're going to be just fine. But in retirement, you have to get through those corrections. And we had a long one. It was from 2007 down to the bottom March of 2009. And it was somewhere in 2012 until the market recovered to 2007 levels. I believe it was 2012. So that was a long period of time where you needed to let your stocks recover. That means you have enough cash plus dividends and interest and Social Security and other items that keep your expenses paid until the market recovers. And 70% of the time when the market is giving you good returns, you're always peeling off some of that growth, replenishing some of the cash that you spent. So it's really more of a cash maintenance program. The other thing that is part of that is, especially in your taxable accounts, you're already paying interest or you're already paying taxes rather on your dividends and interest that you're receiving in your brokerage accounts that are either in your name, joint with your spouse or in a trust account. So you automatically want to turn on the tap and start having that sent to your checking account if you're already spending money. There's no reason to reinvest that anymore. So that's the other part of the strategy, turning on the tap. And the amount of cash that you have on hand is three years worth of your portfolio draws. So it's your all overall expenses, including taxes and health insurance costs, minus your social security, minus pension, in some cases, minus some of your rental income if it's very stable. And that's the portfolio draw each year. That's how much of you, either your cash in a bad year or your stocks in a good year that you're going to sell to live off of. That's your portfolio draw. And that amount of cash changes all the time. When you retire, most people aren't taking Social Security these days until age 70 if they think they're going to live to the mid-80s and beyond. So there's one amount of cash to get you through until you start Social Security. Then there's another amount of cash that uh, that you might need um, on hand until your required minimum distributions kick in on your IRAs. That's age 72. And then you got to kind of alter where your cash is because at age 72, if you switch and you have to be pulling money to live out of your IRAs at, let's say, 40 a year, you might need inside your IRA three times that amount in safe, safe assets. You can get CDs and FDIC-insured money markets inside your IRA, believe it or not. It's going to know how to do it. So the bucket strategy is kind of a... I don't know. It's kind of a, a, a lazy way. It's fun to you know think about an article. It's fun to think that retirement's that simple, but it's really not. You have to maintain it. 
if you are paying somebody to manage your money, you need to have, first of all, a financial site where you can see everything in one place. You're creating your asset allocation, your cash flow analysis, your tax analysis, everything. And then if you're spending money and spending your cash over and above the income that's being set up from your portfolio, you should be doing quarterly reviews to say, hey, I spent 20 grand in cash. Oh, my portfolio is up 30. Okay, well, sell 20 and give it to me. I'm going to replenish my cash. That's what it should be like. There's also other tax strategies that you implement in retirement that can also reduce your cash. For example, from the date of retirement to age 72, you really want to maximize looking at IRA to Roth conversions based on your taxes, the tax bracket that you're always going to be at in retirement. So if you're at a 22% federal bracket and you've got 10 grand a year left over at that bracket every year, you might be converting 10,000 from your IRA to your Roth each year. And you got to pay the taxes with your cash outside of your retirement account. So that also has to be projected into your plan. Number one, is it a good idea for you and your family to convert IRAs to Roths? If yes, that might increase your cash need. And call it bucket one, number one, I don't care. That might increase your cash need. So that's another idea because those Roth conversions typically stop after age 72 and required minimum distributions kick in. So you always have to prep for, you have to realize that the market's going to take really good care of you over time, but that interest rates on CDs and bonds are very, very low. So it makes it, makes it so you have to have more money to retire these days. And even though I love the stock market in the long run and I don't give, I don't care about going all in and all out. I've never seen that work, especially net of taxes. So all it is is just prepping for those occasional market corrections. You could have a big one, 40% plus that lasts three or four months like last year, or it could last three or four years. You'll have several market cycles in retirement if you're going to be retired for 30 years. You got to get through all of them. Now, let's say you're going into retirement, you have extra cash on hand. You have extra cash and you're like, I already have enough stocks. Well, then pay off some more debt. You pay off your home and it's a good idea tax-wise. Make sure your homeowners is up to date because rebuilding costs have skyrocketed. And then you have to consider earthquake insurance, but it can reduce your cash outflow and reduce the amount of cash you need on hand. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. What I wanted to go over is a couple of different things. Um, again, Christine Benz, I already mentioned her on the other article that um, I discussed on, on a bucket strategy. So morningstar.com. Uh, she pulled up a old article and kind of redid it. And this was originally back in 2017. Uh, she took a sabbatical and she wrote an article called What I Learned from My Faux Retirement. A six-week work break uh, provides takeaways for retirement and the years that will come. And... So this was this was pretty interesting because people really kind of need to do this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all for sabbaticals because it, it, people really have a tough time in retirement if they don't know what they're going to do with their time. And if you go in and you know put your final notice because you had an age in mind of 62, 65, something like that. And then you retire and you're absolutely bored and you want to go back to work. It's, it's a lot harder these days. 
There's a lot of age discrimination. So some of the takeaways that she talked about in this article were, number one, my powers of concentration improved. Um, one of the great revelations of her faux retirement was that it was a luxury to be single-minded about various tax, uh, tasks that were out there, even mundane ones. And she says, whether I was organizing my files in my basement or planning a pot of annuals, I was able to do a better job and enjoy it more than I could under normal multitasking conditions. My challenge now that I'm back at work is to try to maintain that sort of focus. I realize I'm not really gaining anything. I'm not certainly losing peace of mind by jumping forward to the next thing before I finished a job at hand. And so being so bored that I have to do mundane tasks for me, uh, yeah, that's... I, I don't get that. Like, I'm probably not a good person for most of you to go on vacation with. When I go on a vacation, I can maybe last a half of a day sitting at a pool, drinking a Mai Tai or whatever. Actually, Mai Tais are disgusting. <laughs> I don't like Mai Tais. So, um, I, I mean, if, if I don't have a daily surfing trip planned, an ATV tour, a canyoning trip, skydiving or what I, I, I am so bored out of my mind. I have to have stuff going on. Like that's just how I'm built. Um, love building businesses. I love working on multiple financial plans. It keeps it interesting. Everybody's very different. And like flower, you know, I, there, there's no way I'm going to be a gardener in retirement. I know that. Right. Uh, a lot of people say, gosh, I want to retire. I want to attack my to-do list. But she says her number two is a sabbatical dawn. I had a long list of projects that I hope to accomplish. Tasks like settling the final details of my mom's estate, organizing files on my computer, and figuring out what to do with all my photos, digital and otherwise. Um, she found out that she knocked off most of those tasks in short order. Everything except for the digital photos. That's a very daunting task. Um, so if I were embarking, she says on my actual retirement, I might be asking myself, is that all there is? We're all different, of course, but the experience underscored that I don't want to spend my retirement years attending exclusively to my own to do's. That is not very fulfilling at all either. That's lack of other human interaction. It's lack of feeling like you're giving back and, and you will get bored. It will be over and even if it's a giant remodel in your home or building a, another shop, it's, it's over in two years. And then what? You've got to have that, that next plan of community service, part-time job, something like that. Maybe it's the grandkids. She did find that the balanced days were the best days. And we've talked about that before because 28 years in this business, I've seen a lot of different styles of retirement. A lot of different styles of retirement. The one that kills me the most is the people that really end up just watching a ton of TV and getting really overweight in retirement. I, I don't, I don't get that. Um, there's others that retire and they were used to love feeding their portfolio and investing, 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 and watching it grow, and then they actually go into freeze mode. They turn into misers. They don't feel like they can spend any money because they're watching daily moves of the stock market. Those are two things that you need to avoid because they've seen miserable people out of that and health issues. The happiest people that I know start their day with exercise routines. That's, that's a balanced day where you kind of have that endorphin load, you feel better, you're focusing on your health, 
And then you do something that you feel like you accomplished something for the day, whether it's one of your to-do lists or tasks, and then some sort of sense of giving back. Those are the people that have constant smiles on their face. A big issue that um, people have in retirement was her number four. I miss my work family. You have to really ask yourself before you retire is, you know, where's your network? Because when you hang out with a lot of people that you work with, what are your conversations revolved around? It's it's everybody having the same issues at work. And so as soon as you retire, you're going to get about a year or two into that circle of friends. If they're still all working, you're going to feel super out of the loop and you're going to kind of miss it. And that's, you know... That's, that's going to be a tough thing. So I guess when you're hanging out with a lot of people at work, kind of sit there and analyze what you guys typically talk about. If you're not talking about at work and you're talking about, you know, hey, what are you watching on TV? Or let's go golfing. Let's, and you're, you're, you're doing different activities together. That's one thing. But if you're constantly talking about work, people at work and different items at work, that you're probably going to end up falling away from that circle of friends if they're younger than you and continuing to work. Uh, you might start to feel missed out that you, you know, they forgot to invite you on a work string email to birthday parties and baby showers and stuff like that. So that's something a lot of people really struggle with when they're really close to their people at work. Um, so you need to start building a, a, a network outside of work, especially you have to think about this in terms of, oh, I want to move out of California. I'm not going to pay these taxes, which I'll talk about later. You need to build a whole new network, period. That's, for some people that are more introverted, that's a very daunting situation. And maybe they don't care and they just want to be alone all the time. Uh, number five, she had to really monitor her media consumption. The ability to pop onto TV or you know jump on Facebook and you know, get sucked into the Twitter vortex. It's just too easy. You got way more time to do it. My kids and I, had a running joke for a long time. It, well, I mean, my mom's not retired. She's trying to retire. I'm not letting her. She works for me. Uh, she has for years, but she, so she's about to retire. And but on the weekends, we would joke if if I was sitting there with my kids and we would post something, we would have bets on how quickly she would like the photo on Facebook. <laughs> and I mean, one time we got 30 seconds. As soon as we posted, 30 seconds later, there was a like from Facebook. I was like, well, that's a lot of time on Facebook, mom. And I tell you what, when people start getting all of their news and stuff like that and their their little bubble that they get sucked into on Facebook, that's a that's a danger in its own self. Um, is the, number six, she found it was a bit easier to maintain a healthy lifestyle because you can cook at home. There's so many good services um, where you can you know order if you're not a great cook, where you can order those meals in a basket. Uh, everything from you know paleo meals, anti-inflammatory meals, different styles of eating that might work to help your health. You can order them all, and and you know they come in a box, and they're they're really quite handy, especially if you're trying to cook really healthy. You want good food, but you don't want to go out to eat all the time. And you're not you're not really a cook yourself. It makes it really easy. Your wardrobe's going to change. Um, you know that idea of having suit pants and stuff like that. And the, it's, it's more like leisure wear. Um, spending was a mixed bag. This is a hard one because you know I, I can guarantee you that any financial plan that you're going to do prior to retirement is going to be wrong. It's, uh, it's an always changing situation. And you I think you know what you're going to spend, but man, that first five years of retirement is very, very 
key. You, you definitely don't want to overspend, but your spending can kind of be all over the place. You got your to-do list, your projects. Right now, it's crazy because people started to travel again and things might shut down again. So you don't really know what you're going to spend on traveling. And you don't know what you're going to fully get into. Like, if you, you want to play more golf. How much is that going to be before it's like, ah, oh, this is too much golf, right? Um, or you person likes just walking, reading, gardening, things like that. Um, you might spend more on Starbucks because you're going out and meeting friends more. I don't know. It, you're going to have to really kind of track that and at least know what budget you can stay within. I might not know exactly all my expenses, but I know I shouldn't go over, you know, X number of dollars per month. The person thought they would like, Christine Benson's article thought they would like their home projects to become a nuisance. It became a situation where they started to get all this stuff done, but they'd wake up and workers were at their house all day long. So sitting outside, drinking a cup of coffee, enjoying the weather wasn't happening because there's a lot of banging, hammering, things like that. So keep that in mind. Um, and it just gave this person the opportunity to sit back and consider it was only six weeks, but four or five weeks in, it probably felt like a while. And so next time they're going to tra- plan more travel. And that's what a lot of people do. But then that ends a little bit too in your 80s. So you don't travel quite as much. Talk a little bit more about what's your retirement going to be like. Maybe you need help figuring that out. Is retirement coach an actual thing? Wrapping up this article by Christine Benz on uh, her kind of rekindling a 2017 article about a uh, practice retirement with a six-week sabbatical kind of ended in like, okay, I need to travel soon. I need to get our myself and husband to Asia soon, take some road trips, reconsidered a grudge I'd been holding against a loved one and decided to let it go. I actually got a little bit wiser. What I'd love to do is take the time to learn a language or two. That interests me. What are you going to do in retirement? I've had a lot of questions lately about people moving from retirement. We've had to do a lot of scenarios that say, okay, what's my retirement look like if I move to Nevada or Arizona or the state of Washington, which by the way, most Californians don't like the weather for you know six months out of the year. So be careful with that. And Washington state's implementing a whole bunch of different taxes. They got a long-term care income tax coming down the road that people have been either forced to buy some sort of a hybrid life insurance, long-term care insurance policy, or just pay more taxes. We'll see how that goes if that gets challenged. They're trying to implement a capital gains tax. Um, so you got to be careful. A lot of states that are like that are, are kind of finding other ways to tax you. And But more than ever, I've had more clients move out of California and more questions about moving out of California and, and running different models on it. What, what I will say is when you retire, some of your money's coming from your cash that you're saved and, and some of your investments that you sell in your taxable accounts that are taxed at capital gains people that make a lot of money, it's it's not like they're paying as much. You, you got to do a financial model so you can see what you're clearly paying in taxes. I did one for somebody yesterday that had a, high, a very large portfolio, high income, and it was showing that it was about 30000 a year in taxes. So we we're looking at that saying, okay, is $30,000 a year worth selling this property losing out on your low tax base if you don't buy something else in California within two years with Prop 19 and rebuilding your overall social network and, and dealing with is, is that 30 a year is that worth it to you? And that was you know that was a large tax bill it was still a rate of about 6% effective rate 
so y- you got to be able to put a number on it if you're thinking of build- going out of state because you got to rebuild that social network, right? And that can be somewhat daunting. You know, what about your friends that you do things with? Do you have hiking buddies? Do you have golfing buddies, uh, boating, fishing buddies, whatever it may be. Maybe you need a retirement coach. Um, I've seen a couple of people that I know that actually went through certification as a retirement coach because they were struggling with it to go through retirement. And they're like, well, if I did it and I figured out a way around it, maybe I can help other people do too. And that kind of becomes their passion. So I've seen a lot of people get in retirement, struggle, get a retirement coach, and then become a retirement coach themselves. Who knows? Maybe it's a hidden multi-level marketing thing. <laughs> I don't know. But what do retirement coaches do? Uh, Mitch Anthony, this is a Market Watch article that I found. Mitch Anthony, who trains advisors to be retirement coaches, says, I would encourage a person to go through the lifestyle aspect of retirement suitability before trying to calculate financials as the money we spend is a consequence of how we choose to spend our time. And I could not agree more. When people come to me and say, oh, I want to retire when I'm 55. I'm like, what, are you, what would you do? To me, my retirement with snowboarding, wake surfing, all, hiking, all the stuff that I like to do, I would rather put off my retirement and travel more now and make memories with my kids now because I've seen what happens to people in their mid 70s and 80s. You know, even in my own family, you know, certain things just kind of slow down. I just want to do as much as that as I can now. I'd rather spend money on that now and retire at 70 or even 75 because my grandfather worked till he was 80 because he loved it. And it, it, so that's, you know, that's my plan. I don't know what your plan is. Maybe you hate your job. I love my job. Um, but another good article that's in Forbes states the transition surrounding retirement can lead to a time of anxiety and questioning. According to research collected by McMaster University in Ontario, Canada, which studies aging, much of this angst may stem from a loss of identity, family tensions, and a sense of loneliness. Financial factors after, uh, you know, obviously play a role, right? I mean, that's a big one. But I've seen people with a ton of money struggle with retirement. because they, they, they get afraid to spend and they don't want to spend it on. Living on a fixed income be, can be very rough and the cost of living may exceed expectations. So this is really more for, I've calculated, I probably have enough to retire, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Retirement coaches frequently act as life coaches with a specific focus on retirement years. Like other life coaches, retirement coaches may specialize in certain things, such as finances, behavior. But look, they help you become aware of your retirement obstacles. They help you analyze your relationships and how you want to improve your relationships. They help you think about what you want to do to become physically active and, and diet. It's, it's like a sounding board. And sometimes we all know that it's really tough to have a loved one a spouse or a sibling, a best friend that knows you too well to help act as a sounding board because I kind of equate it to me. I don't know. This may not make a lot of sense to people, but I never teach anybody to snowboard. I will never, ever, ever teach it. I've I've taught, you know, now four of my kids and it is a pain in the butt. And I get them. I even got in, in teen ages, private lessons because Somebody that you know, it's like the banter back and forth is a little bit like, 
it just doesn't work. You need somebody that's a sounding board and very open to listen to ideas about back, back and forth because it's somebody that'll help you explore how do you want to improve your relationships, your spirituality, your 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 health, your fitness. And it's really, really important to do that going into retirement. It's almost as important as the financial projections. And you should have a financial advisor you can kind of talk through these different things with. It shouldn't just be about money with your certified financial planner. They've dealt with these things. If you're struggling with the, what the heck am I going to do, they can help point you in different directions to get an idea, plan for a sabbatical next year, something like that before you actually retire. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find the podcast, different platforms, whether it's whatever. It's, it's all at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Find out about EP Wealth there as well. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.